Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. I still hear your voice when you sleep next to me. I still feel your touch in my dream. Oh, it's so beautiful. Sing it. What's beautiful was that uh, Duke win over Carolina this weekend. And I know this is white girl pop music, everybody, but uh, this is why we're playing. This is Duke's hype song, baby. How about them Blue Devils? Be quiet, Phil. It's my favorite part. Don't hurt the listeners' ears, man. No singing. Welcome back, or welcome in, to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben Barm, Philip Pilkington, filling in for the P-Man. I'm not a Duke fan by any means. Trust me on that one. I am, baby. I'm not a UNC fan by any means, but obviously Philip is hyped up about this game over the weekend. And I guess that kind of leads us into our early first segment here, this little uh, this little Did game. Did you just hear yourself say here? Did you finally hit in puberty, Ben? That was quite the voice oh, crack. Oh, did it crack? Yeah. Yeah, it tends to happen. I'm only 20 years old. I'm a young gun. All right, Philip. Oh, yeah. So I'm when we do our uh, snack drafting for the Super Bowl later in the week, you can't say beer. Yeah. I, yeah, beer's omitted for mine. I, I, I don't have a lot of, well, never mind. Let me not dig myself a hole here, but yeah, it's going to be a lot of chicken fingers or something. I don't know. I'm still a young gun. But let's get into our first segment here that leads us into our first segment, Weekend Winners, Weekend Worse. It's time for Weekend Winners. Yes, I win! Game over! I win! And the Weekend's Worst. Worst day of my life? What do you think? Here on the Patrick Johnson Show. And it was a big weekend for sports, an interesting weekend for sports to say the very least. Let's start with the Weekend Winner. Weekend winner. Let's go for the obvious. Pirate alum, HV3, wins the Saudi Arabia Invitational, I believe it's called. Gets a mill. Final shot of the final hole. Puts an eagle. You're the bigger golf guy, so I'm, I'm throwing out all the terms I know here, but it was a big deal. I even watched a little bit. I'm not the biggest golf fan. I follow it. I keep up with it. I know the names. Um, but I even got up at five o'clock on, was it yesterday, Sunday, or was it Saturday? It been yesterday. Yeah. I'm proud of you, Ben, getting up that. That sounds like me getting up for tennis or something. Well, I woke up. I naturally was getting ready to toss and turn, you know, as I'm still sleeping. I checked my phone for a bit, see Twitter lighting up with HV3 news, saw he was winning on the final day of competition. I'm like, all right, I got to check this out. This is very rare for HV3. And uh, I think this is big for HV3. I get it's not a, a tour win. But I think it kind of dispels the notion just a little bit that he's not a strong finisher. No, yeah, it does. I mean, yes, it wasn't a tour win. It's this new tour that was bought out by the old Asian tour. But the big thing is he still beat big names. It wasn't like he was the only guy over there. You know, I don't have the list in front of me. I know Phil was there. Your boy Tommy Fleetwood was there. Uh, Bryson was there. DJ was there. Xander Schauffele. Um, the list goes on and on. There was a, you know, a handful of guys there. Obviously, not everybody was there because we had the Pro-Am going on at uh, Pebble yep. this weekend, but um, still a lot of big names there, so it's not like he just uh, 
you know, beat the uh, the middle of the pack guys in this field. I mean, this was a big time event. It was tour level competition. It's huge for HV3. I'm happy for him. That's a mill in his pocket there, baby. Moving on to week. Indoor practice facility? <laughs> yeah, is he going to donate that? No. Uh, that, I, I'm not going to tell him what to do with his money. Moving on to weekend worse. Weekend worst. I hate to say it. You know, Philip. I'm a. I, there's not a lot of people that are bigger pirate basketball fans than I am. I can think of maybe like two or three, maybe off the top of my head. But Our guy Pirate Al is definitely. Yeah. One of them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I got to say, pirate basketball deserves to be on this list. I, I can't remember a time in recent memory when pirate basketball has been this low. Yeah, I mean, six losses in a row, especially the way the season started. And it's not only the fact they were winning games, I get they weren't playing the best teams, but the fact that they hung with Davidson, they hung with Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, they won their first conference game against Tulane. So it looks like, you know, at worst, this was going to be a you know fifth, sixth place team in the conference. And, you know, tomorrow night they got to go out there and survive to not be in last. Yeah, well, you looked at it coming out of non-conference play, all your losses were pretty encouraging because you lost the teams right now that are projected by a lot of bracketologists to be in the tournament. I mean, Liberty's a tournament team. Davidson right now is a tournament team. Oklahoma's kind of one of those fringe tournament teams. So that was very encouraging until you get in the conference play and uh, you lose that game to UCF, and that's been just a complete draining moment on ECU season this year. And then to cap it off, they lost um, over the weekend 86-66 to to Tulane. Um, Out-rebounded Tulane for once. Had more offensive rebounds by far. Uh, didn't shoot so well from the three, the free throw line. Um, obviously, shooting continues to be a struggle. Shot 35% from the field. Um, just not very good right now. Nobody really stepped up outside of Vance Jackson. Uh, clearly, there was a mismatch there for Vance Jackson, but it wasn't enough to win the ball game for the ECU Pirates. And you know it's a bad week or things are really in tough shape. When you go on Twitter and you see talk people talking about Joe Dilley's contract, according to Stephen Igo, 24-7 Sports, host, hoist the colors, he posted that Joe Dilley has a $1 million salary over five years. He's owed $250,000. And uh, this is year four of his five-year deal. The buyout would be roughly about $400,000. You have to make a decision at the end of this year. Do you want to ride out his contract? Or do you go elsewhere and go with a buyout? That's that's tough when we're talking about those kind of things uh, at this point in the season. Yeah, it definitely is, and especially the season, like I said, it was looking so promising. But, yeah, the finances thing is a huge deal with this. Obviously, you got to pay the buyout. Don't quote me on this, but I believe he gets a, a bonus if he stays in that fifth year. That's where the 250000 on top of it comes, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was talking to me about that the other night on, at Meteoro. Um, so, obviously – you know, it's kind of ends up being about the same by the time you look. Well, no, it's actually, I guess it's more to keep him on. Yeah. But um, then obviously you're playing a new coach next year as well as buying out his contract. So that's tough. And, you know, we like Joe Dooley around here. He was a good guy and uh, he's done good things here in Pirate so, Basketball, yeah, especially his first stint. I still believe he's a good ball coach. I do too. But um, obviously sometimes situations just uh, aren't ideal. And who yeah. knows? All I say if, is if you move on, you better have a plan. Exactly. All and right. He, he's got Winston Tabs coming back next year. So you got to, you know, yeah. see what he can do with Tabs. Hopefully, a healthy Brandon Suggs here soon. There's a lot of stuff that didn't work out in Dilly's favor this year that could maybe be his saving grace. But moving on 
I know you got a couple weekend winners, weekend wear, so I'll let you delve into some. You're a winner. Weekend winner. So HV3 was not the only ECU weekend winner. We actually had a handful of them on the indoor track team. The indoor track team had two meets this week. They were split. Uh, one of them was the East Coast Invitational in Virginia Beats, and one of them was the Camel City Invitational in Winston-Salem. So we're just going to go through a few of the uh, stats here, tell you how good the team did. Molly Stecker won the high jump, and then three of our ladies went one, two, three in the pole vault. That was Summer Knight, Riley Carden, and Lana Calkins. One, two, three in the pole vault. Also, Destiny Griffin uh, got second in shot put, so that was really good. Staying with the women's side, uh, Lily Skosberg got fifth place in the 800-meter run, and Madeline Hill got fifth in the 5K. And then on to the men's side, Royal Burris got fifth in the 200-meter dash. He also ran the sixth-fastest 200-meter dash time in ECU history. And then Terrence Booth Jr. in the 60-meter hurdles. Um, he claimed second in that. So good job from the ECU indoor track team. Really proud of you guys. You guys deserve all the praise as well. So congratulations. Big, big uh, weekend for ECU if you can eliminate the basketball side of things. Yeah, I mean, congratulations to our guy, uh, Coach Kraft. Kurt Kraft there, I mean, good guy. Always been a nice guy to me. He deserves it. Sounds like he's cooking up a dynasty down there. Sounds I don't want to like put words it. in his mouth, but. Also, we, had, building something down we there. had the women's tennis coach on Friday. They played uh, Apple on Saturday at home. They won that one. They lost to State, unfortunately, on Sunday. But I think State's pretty good. So, big win for ECU beating uh, you know, those uh, hippies from Boone. All right, let's go. Let's go quickly through these other ones we got planned here. Weekend winner. You're a winner. Weekend winner. I'm going to go in and say the Senior Bowl. I thought the Senior Bowl was dope. Uh, ideally. That's how you want a Pro Bowl to be played. Guys are actually trying. It's actually a football game. And uh, a lot of guys, especially at the quarterback position, potentially future Panthers, rose their draft stock. I honestly believe, and this might be a hot take, Kenny Pickett was a perfect 8-for-8, actually 6-for-6, going for 89 yards and a touchdown. I think you could potentially see him as maybe being a top-three pick maybe even being a number one overall pick. He's already getting Burrow comparisons. I can see those teams sitting in the top three right now taking a good look at Kenny Pickett and thinking that might be our guy. Yeah, the one thing that will kind of hurt him is the uh, like the Mitch Trubisky comparison, the fact that he only had one year kind of like Mitch did, but we'll yeah. see. Hey, well, uh, there's a lot of guys that have had that. Cam Newton. That's true. Yeah, I mean, you could throw in Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow only had one really good year of college. Those guys were sitting in big time programs. Though. I mean, this guy yeah. was a one year guy at Pitt. Fair enough, but I think that hurt. I think that helps this case. He helped turn Pitt around. Yeah, I don't he's know. kind of the spark that got things turning. You weren't good enough to start at Pitt for more than one year. Oh, okay. All right. So clearly, our guy Phillips a doubter when it comes to Kenny Pickett. I definitely am. And I'm gonna throw Malik Willis in there. Uh, Malik Willis kind of has what people are looking for when you look for the next Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. He displayed that. Only completed 50 percent of his passes, but he only attempted four. And there were really good passes, the ones he did completed. And he showcased his ability on his feet. He had over 54 yards rushing. Got a touchdown. Looked pretty good. That's a guy I didn't understand why he was talking about or that people were talking about him being a first rounder or a legit quarterback prospect i think he solidified himself in this senior bowl so malik willis kenny pickett i think they deserve weekend winners and i i wouldn't mind them being on the panthers 
There you go. And we have Jim Zoki coming up here in uh, the second segment, so we'll talk to him about those guys. Yeah. Moving on with another weekend winner. I really enjoyed the NHL All-Star game. I love they've gone to this three-on-three format, and I love in the Skills Challenge Friday night how they implemented Vegas. They had uh, one thing where they were in the fountain at the Bellagio. They were shooting pucks like into the holes that the geysers come out of. They had some kind of point system with that. There was another one where they had a bunch of cards up on a wall. This was on the sidewalk right in front of the fountain at the Bellagio. And they um, they had to shoot the puck and hit um, like cards. And whichever guy had the theoretically the best hand won, which okay. was really cool. That's I thought neat. they implemented that really well. Uh, so they were really creative with the whole Vegas thing there. Yeah. With um with the NHL All-Star game. A couple hurricanes showed out. Rod Brindamore, the winning head coach for the NHL All-Star team. Was it for the Metropolitan Division? Metropolitan, or, yeah. Metro- Metropolitan won. So Metropolitan. Okay. <laughs> the, Can- the Canes Division did get the win. So that was big. Yeah, um, Ajo won like the Accuracy Challenge or something. He did, so, yeah, yeah. Hurricanes showing out. I like it. Hopefully well, we can get a cup this year. The best shot, like most creative shot, they, they did a great job implementing Vegas. If you guys didn't see it, one guy came out with a dodgeball theme. He blindfolded himself like Peter LaFleur. Had a Peter LaFleur jersey on, scored a goal blindfolded. Uh, one of the other guys came out and uh, did a total hangover theme. They even had Mike Tyson. They had a stuffed tiger. Did not bring out a real tiger, but that was really cool. So, uh, NHL All-Star Game was awesome. and um, Weekend winner. That was definitely a weekend winner. Going into our last weekend winner, I, Ben, you said you didn't love it, but I did enjoy the clash, especially those heat races. That second last chance qualifier was kind of the demolition derby I thought all the races were going to be, and I'm glad they weren't all that way. However, it was fun to see one that way, and uh, I really did like the clash. It was a lot better than it's been uh, kind of here the last few years at Daytona. Let me state my case for why the clash was a weekend worse. I, I, I tend to disagree. So I know you're a big NASCAR fan. You're all about it. I'm kind of those guys that I used to be into it. I'm trying to get back into the sport. I'm kind of those fringe guys. I'll watch a big race every once in a while. This is one that captured my attention because it was different. It was new. I like the idea, the concept. Until the race happened, and it was slow, a lot of delays, a lot of cautions. just didn't capture my attention whatsoever. I appreciate the fact they try to do something different, but for a guy like me, I think if you're NASCAR right now, you're trying to capture my demographic or you're trying to get guys like me back into the sport and spark some kind of excitement. It just didn't really do it for me. So I I get what you're saying. I guess the reason they did it the way they did is, you know, you talk about the cautions and the stopping. Yeah. Thing is, is they have been running this race at Daytona before. Yeah. And when you run a two and a half mile track, you get a caution. It's like a seven or eight minute caution. And on top of that, it's been bad wrecks that have caused even longer because they take so long to pick up. So I do think there was actually less downtime. Obviously, the average lap speed was like 65 miles an hour because it was close and tight corners. But I think that allowed bumping and racing without it being... You know, a super speedway where you have to worry about tearing up a bunch of equipment, driver safety, and all that stuff. And then, obviously, if you put it at a track that's kind of an intermediate and a little faster, they're just going to get all spread out, and it's going to be like watching luggage on the conveyor belt, you know, at, at Pitt Greenville Airport. Yeah. I see your point. Um, I definitely I admire the fact they try to do something different. I would always give them credit for that because they, they need to start thinking outside the box. Well, and the two, the reason I'm giving it a winner is there was a lot of people there. And yep. when you looked at some of the people that were showing up, they didn't look like stereotypical NASCAR fans. So, yep. you know, even if they get a few of those into it, you know, maybe they'll tune into the Daytona 500. Maybe it'll help them with uh, ticket sales at Fontana this year, which is the second race of the season. You know, Fontana's, what, 50 miles east of L.A. So a lot of those people, it's in their backyard. I'll put it this way. If I had a chance to go, if I had tickets, I'd be excited to go. 
I don't know how I would feel coming out on the other side, but I would have been especially hyped for this race. Put yeah, it they, that way. They definitely turned it into an event, kind of like how they did the Super Bowl. I hate how they do it for the Super Bowl because it messes with the players. It's not fair to make their halftime longer, but uh, – I definitely uh, I like it in NASCAR with this because it was before and then at a halfway break that they were going to give the drivers regardless of whether Ice Cube came out or not. So I think that really helped. All right, I got one final weekend worse, and I don't know UNC and Duke could probably be one, but I'm not going to mention them. I'm going to leave. I'm going to let that one be. Weekend worst. Weekend worst. Baseball's collective bargaining agreement. Wait, this is your last one? Their negotiations. I think right this now. is one of two. We start talking about the Pro Bowl. Oh, I forgot all about the Pro Bowl. Yeah, the Pro Bowl was terrible. I don't. I think that goes without saying. It was literally two-hand touch this year. Terrible. I know you did not watch it, Philip. I, I had two work meetings, and then I came back and watched the race. So I guess the, this brings on the big debate. Forget baseball stuff. We know baseball's in hot water right now. More on baseball later on in the show, because potentially some good news is on the way. Something huge for the sport was just confirmed today. We'll get into that later, maybe debate about it. But the, the Pro Bowl at this point, what do you do with it? I think you ditch the game altogether. Just make it an honor. Just an all-star honor. Yeah, I'm for it. So I was talking to our guy Casey earlier today, and he said, what if for the outside guys you did some one-on-ones and did some seven-on-seven type stuff, and they got points for yep. winning? And then to implement the linemen just did, you know, like board drills and yep. stuff. And, you know, so you can still do it, but almost more have it more of a competition, a contest, kind of like the skills challenge they have on Thursday nights, but yep. make it more football-related and just do it that way because there's no need in having a, a joke of a football game. I mean, look, you can go to your any local neighborhood and watch five- and six-year-olds play two-hand-touch football. Absolutely. I think here's what you do. You keep Keep the skills challenges, the quarterback challenges. I think people love to get drunk and debate whether who's got the biggest arm, Mahomes or Allen. Maybe do something with that. I mean, I, I just think little challenges like that are fun and just make it an honor, make it a fun event that celebrates the players. I think the game itself does a lot to hurt the honor itself. There's guys that when you talk about the Hall of Fame, don't even bring up Pro Bowls anymore because the Pro Bowl has been that much of a joke. And I'm looking at the roster for the Pro Bowl. Even the, There's some guys that Deserve to be reserves that were fringe, like maybe should have been starters for the Pro Bowl. But uh, there were some guys that got in at reserves that had no business being in. Like I saw Russell Wilson was in it. He had no business being anywhere near the Pro Bowl, in my personal opinion. Well, and then you got guys that are all pros that miss. Like, didn't Mike Rimmers one year was, or no, it was Andrew Norwell was yeah. a first team all pro and didn't make the Pro Bowl? Yeah. It's like, so he's the best at his position, but not good enough to make the Pro Bowl. Yeah, the Pro Bowl is a joke. You have so many alternates because so many guys don't want to play. It's, you know, look, I, I like the NHL All-Star Game. I love the MLB All-Star Game. It's great to see those matchups. But let's be honest, the Pro Bowl and the NBA All-Star Games are just jokes. Would, it's, it's terrible. It's I, stupid. I would argue Pro Bowls are worse than the NBA All-Star Game. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah, Pro Bowls definitely worse. Yep. At least in the NBA All-Star Game, they don't play defense, but at least it's still, the, you know, it's not like they uh, tell the guys they can't dunk because they're worried about tearing their ACL or something. And I get it. These guys don't want to put their bodies on the line, so I'm not mad at the players. Um, but I just say, you know, like you said, just find a way to do it differently. Yeah, that's going to do it for me for Weekend Winners, Weekend Worse. You got anything else, Philip? No, nah, like I said, kind of the MLB, just their lack of progress right now. Like, we're not going to be watching baseball till like, June at this rate. Latest reports say they're nowhere close to an agreement. Maybe we possibly be getting baseball a little bit late. That's going to do it for Weekend Winners, Weekend Worse. On the other side of this quick timeout, Jim Zoki, Panthers radio color commentator. A lot happening with the Panthers, a lot happening with the NFL, all that and much more of Jim Zoki on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. 
Videos, articles, and what's going on in the Pirate Nation. I thought that's what Facebook updates were for. Like and comment on 94.3 The Game's Facebook page right now. More of The Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Atavola in Greenville is your local marketplace. Atavola offers diverse menu selections, casual lunches, and family meals ready to go. At Atavola, they specialize in the creative use of fresh ingredients, seasonal menu selections, and fun culinary creations from the kitchen that will satisfy even the pickiest taste buds. Treat yourself to lunch or dinner today at Atavola, and make sure to join them the second Wednesday of every month for their free wine tastings. Atavola Red Banks Road in Greenville. Are you ready for a new career? An amazing company chose Greenville to be the home of their nationwide contact center. Victra is the largest independent retailer for one of the nation's largest cellular providers. And Victra's Greenville contact center is growing rapidly. Victra is now hiring multiple positions for consumer sales, business-to-business sales, retail store support, customer care, and operations support. Benefits include incredible commission potential, paid face-to-face training, medical, dental, vision, paid time off, a 50% discount on your wireless bill, access to wages prior to payday, and 401k matching. Victra is now hiring both full and part-time positions, and top performers earn $25 to $28 an hour. All of their sales and service opportunities are inbound only. No outbound cold calls, no telemarketing. You will earn top dollar for every sale you make while working in a fun environment with a team of motivated professionals. Visit pit-jobs.com to apply now. You heard the saying, there are two things every American does, die and pay taxes. Well, there's a third, watch television. Listen, we all watch TV, but it doesn't need to be cabled. With a new dish about the size of a pizza dish installed on your home, you have TV of the future. Did you know with this new home service, you can watch TV at home on any computer or tablet that has the internet, even on your phone. Watch TV anywhere in the country, all with this new Dish TV service. You can go on vacation and take your TV service with you, even let your kids watch it at college. All for one low price, locked in for two years, and guaranteed to be cheaper than your cable bill. Call right now. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben Barm, Philip Pilkington filling in for the P-Man as he gets ready for the inaugural, I guess for this season, the inaugural Cliff Godwin Show live from Logan's Roadhouse. P-Man with Cliff Godwin coming up at 6 right here on the flagship station, the ECU Pirates 94-3 the game. A lot happening in the NFL right now, in the sport of football in general. Let's get right into it, Jim. The Senior Bowl is Saturday. A lot of guys obviously improved their draft stock. When you look at the Panthers' situation right now, they're in an interesting predicament. Do you go tackle or do you go quarterback in this next draft? I'm thinking they're going quarterback. We know it's going to either be a lineman or a quarterback, but out of the Senior Bowl quarterbacks and Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, and Sam Howell, who would you prefer the Panthers to grab? Who's the best fit in your personal opinion? Or is it somebody else maybe in the later rounds I didn't mention that you personally prefer? 
Yeah, Ben, I think, um, you know, to me, you know, I'm not Mel Kuyper, so I, I can't sit here and say. Well, who the hell is Mel Kuyper anyways? Who the hell is Mel Kuyper anyway? But I, but I think this, I think, you know, if there's a top two or so left tackle available versus grabbing a quarterback at number six that maybe shouldn't go that high, I mean, you're going to need both anyway. I would rather get the best available player of those two positions. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, to, to me, those are the most critical positions in need for this team are a left tackle and a quarterback. And I'd rather have a guy that might be a, a 10-year run at left tackle than a quarterback that may be a big gamble. Now, if they feel like he's they, he grades out and everyone agrees mm-hmm. that you know Kenny Pickett's the guy. I'm not hearing anybody other than Kenny Pickett, by the way, that should even be under consideration at number six, a quarterback. Absolutely. I don't think you take Malik Willis at number six. So if you don't take Pickett, then it's got to be a left tackle is basically the way I would look at it. No, I personally agree. But, I mean, we we got to acknowledge kind of the elephant in the room here. Matt Rule has a job to save here, and I think a quarterback is probably a young rookie quarterback is his best chance to kind of stick around. That kind of leads to Phillip's question here. Yeah, so mine was – you know, I definitely agree with what you're saying, Jim. I would rather a star left tackle than a miss at quarterback, but it seems like there's a debate among Panther fans right now just in general. Some people say have to get a quarterback now. Some people say quarterback doesn't matter if you don't have an O-line. But I look at it this way. Joe Burrow was sacked 51 times this year, more than any other quarterback in the league, and there are 30 teams right now that would kill to be where the Cincinnati Bengals are. So if you have the opportunity to get your guy, I think you have to get him, right? even if there is a good tackle there, if you believe in a quarterback? I agree. And, again, you know, Joe Burrow's turned out to be everything we thought he would be. Nobody's projected to be Joe Burrow right now. Somebody may turn out to be Joe Burrow, but nobody's projected to be Joe Burrow in this draft. When he came out of LSU, he won the Heisman, he won the national championship with with stats that nobody's ever put up before in an undefeated season. So, you know, nobody – let's be clear about that. You know, Joe Burrow is – you know, one of those generational, you know, once every 10 drafts kind of quarterbacks, I think. Uh, a guy that looks surefire and turned out to be surefire, like like Peyton Manning and, and some of those John Elway types through the years. We don't know. You know, we don't know that um, Kenny Pickett isn't, you know, Josh Rosen. I mean, we just, we don't know if he'll be Josh Allen or will he be Josh Rosen. You know, there's like this big difference between two guys that were drafted a couple of draft picks apart a couple of years ago. You know, Baker Mayfield is just okay, but he's not Joe Burrow. Yeah. So there's young quarterbacks. Even go back to last year's draft, where everyone was so high on Zach Wilson, went to the Jets. I still don't know if Zach Wilson can play. No, He's on such a bad team. <laughs> it's like he may be okay. Yeah. He's certainly not good right now, but uh, he might have some something in the upside there. So they need both. Um, so I would say you can only grab one at a time. I hear what you're saying about job security. Quarterback buys you hope and buys you time because he's got like Zach Wilson. He's got to develop. You got to give it two years, but you also got to. You got to put that line. To me, it's like if you if you're not strong up front, it doesn't matter for Christian McCaffrey. He's running or anything else, route running. You know, nothing works if you don't have the offensive line right. And again, it doesn't have to all be drafted in the first round of a draft. Uh, you got free agency. You're going to have other picks that maybe you're going to trade back up and get other guys. Even though we don't have a second and third round pick, you could trade back up. Uh, so free agency and trades and some other things can help fill that out too. Absolutely, and I guess it kind of depends on how they really feel about Brady Christensen at left tackle. That kind of really goes in hand-to-hand on whether who they kind of pick at that at that first-round spot right there at number six. Who are you getting? you getting quarterback or tackle. It all kind of relies on how you feel about Brady Christensen and that coaching staff. Right. Is he merely going to – is his upside competent that he could be an acceptable tackle or could you draft a guy that's going to go to the Pro Bowl 
eight times. So that's what you got to kind of weigh, and then have Christensen yep. still available, obviously, as a guard or in, in some other role. Obviously, if you left or right guard, uh, and have somebody else be that left tech, which makes you all the better to have somebody like Brady Christensen yep. available to be a guard if you had to go that way, and elf line at center moving forward. But you do have to give competition <laughs> to Sam Darnold. I mean, it just, it's just, he's heading into his fifth year in this league. I mean, there has to, at the very least, be some real competition for that position going into training camp. Absolutely, and the decisions keep piling up for the Panthers. They have another big predicament with the free agency coming up. Stephon Gilmore, who I believe is one of the best corners in football, he's due for a big contract, but you also have a guy in Dante Jackson, who's a homegrown talent, had a solid year. You would think he would cost a whole lot less than Stephon Gilmore. He's somebody who hasn't always been the best, but I think at times he's shown elite ability, especially this year, and he showed steady improvement. If you were the GM of the Panthers, do you find a way to keep both of them, which I think is very unlikely? Or who do you choose in that scenario? Do you go with Gilmore or Jackson? And to further that question, what do you think will happen with those two? I think you can only pick one because J.C. Horn's going to be one. Yep. And he's going to be your number one guy. And because Stephon Gilmore at this stage of his career, I think he'll be 33 this upcoming season, is yep. you know, more of a veteran that uh, his best days have to be behind him. A quarterback, it's like running back. I mean, you you don't see a ton of them out there when they get in their mid thirties. Yep. Um, so it's a matter of what do they what do they want to invest? Would Gilmore from Rock Hill give them a hometown discount because he's been a Panther fan? He's raising a family here. Would he give them a price break and not cost as much budget wise of all things? Or would Dante? I, so I'm understanding Dante Jackson, who was playing really well last year, wants a lot of money. So this could be a James Bradbury situation where you like the player, but maybe you don't want to pay top dollar and somebody else will and somebody's probably going to give Dante a big paycheck whether it's here or elsewhere no and I... then you have to factor in you did trade a third round pick and a starting tight end for CJ Henderson and he's going to be here because you invested yep. that in there so it's going to be some combination of JC Horn with CJ Henderson and probably one of those other two we mentioned Dante or Gilmore the other but there's no way I can see both Gilmore and Jackson coming back with CJ Henderson with JC Horn when you have so many other positions you got to fill yeah, I mean, that's kind of the big thing that's not being acknowledged right now in the Panthers media and with Panther fans is the fact that if either of these guys hit the market, I think they're going to be one of the – both of them will be probably the most expensive cornerbacks in free agency and probably one of the most highly sought after. Just Dante Jackson on potential alone and Stephon Gilmore, he's been that bona fide guy. I guess if you're Super Bowl ready, that's a guy you're going to want in your locker room. So, I mean, just a big decision to be made there. You can't keep them both or – it might be a scenario where we just don't get either. We can't keep either. So, obviously, big decision there to be made. Other, other teams come. Yeah, you do, other teams call your agent and offer all this money, and suddenly your heart changes. You you you've been a Panther and you think you want to be a Panther, and then you know some other city calls with a five year contract. Like, well, I could be a Giant. Could, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I could be a Jaguar. We've seen that happen before. Yeah, I mean, it just depends where their heads at, and a lot of things. What's not being reported right now is where their heads at. Where how are they feeling about returning to the Panthers? Or do they acknowledge a situation where they can get huge money potentially elsewhere in free agency? They're going to be a highly sought-after guys this year. Do they kind of gauge their interest elsewhere? It's just the big thing is where their head's at. And I, I think that's something that's being underreported right now. I agree. And, you know, you know uh, see, to me, like, Gilmore, he's got to – he knows, but you know, he's kind of indicated he wants to come back. You know, he's, yep. he's been to New England. He's won – championship he's played at the highest level and you know, maybe he just wants to come back home uh you know but on the other hand you expect usually a guy in his position is a missing piece for a championship team 
I mean, this is not a team that's ready to win a Super Bowl next year, no matter what they do. So he, you yep. know, he's got to make that decision. Is this more of a family and lifestyle decision with more of a longer term outlook, as opposed to he knows he's only got a year or two left in the league, which I believe he does at a high level anyway, of being able to keep playing because now he's starting about 35 years old after more two more years. So I think he's got to decide: does he want to have a chance at another Super Bowl? Yeah, and I, like I said earlier, the decisions keep piling up, and you have another huge decision. Uh, when it comes to Christian McCaffrey, I I don't mean necessarily that you have to trade him or shop him. I think that's kind of ridiculous at this point. I mean more so you have to find a way to utilize his effectiveness, but you ha- also have to conserve him a little bit and limit him to where he doesn't take necessarily the wear and tear that he has been taking on his body. And people may disagree, but I thought as the season went on, Chuba Hubbard really showcased some steady development. And at times he's shown that he has the tools to be a number one running back in this league. With that being said, what would you like to see them do with McCaffrey in this offense? Do they try the Debo Samuel approach? Maybe you move into receiver, maybe a slot guy, or they try to split carries with him and Hubbard? Or what do you think would be best for CMC and this team in this offense? I would do that. I would very seldom run him between the tackles. I would use him yep. in space. I would use him as as a running back where you can, you know, again, you can't be predictable. But I'm talking in terms of generalities where, where you run him wide when you put him in a slot as a receiver. He's the ultimate checkdown guy that makes the quarterbacks better. If he just goes out and just runs just a, a little hitch for three yards, I mean, he could turn that into a 12-yard game. Yep. And not many players can do that. And I kind of liken them guys to Odell Beckham Jr., where it's like, you know, Cleveland just released him. And I think there's a lot of Panther fans that just released McCaffrey. Let's get out of the, the cap number and just yep. move on and this and that. Well, Odell goes to a team like the Rams that uses him the right way, and you can see he still is Odell Beckham Jr. His skill set is not diminished. Yep. Yeah, McCaffrey has not torn an ACL. It's been unfortunate with ankles and hamstrings and things like that, but these are you know, basically soft tissues and tendon injuries. They're not torn yep. ligaments. So he's still young. He's still like 25 years old. So as you said, use him smart. You know, you don't take that that – Beautiful car, just run it into the wall. You know, you'll use it where it makes sense. I think you know Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. is a great example. Of, use him the right way, but he doesn't have to be a guy that touches the ball thirty times in a game. That's not going to hold up over seventeen games. Yeah, and and something that people are not really acknowledging is the fact that there's a big void in this offense once Curtis Samuel left. I would potentially love to see them or have them utilize kind of like utilize McCaffrey like they utilized Samuel in the first year under Brady and. Uh, Matt Rule, where Samuel was a guy you can line him up anywhere, that was, whether it was in the backfield, where it was in space, or at the slot, and he can get you a big play at any moment. And that's been a huge void that's been missing this offense. And I think losing Curtis Samuel was a bigger deal than a lot of people thought. And I think you have a chance with Christian McCaffrey, with his ability to kind of emulate that and simulate that a little bit and have him potentially be that Curtis Samuel type of guy and be just as effective. But you know what happened to Samuel? Well, he they got hurt. McCaffrey. We, we he got hurt with Washington. But... He was injured most yeah. of the season. Yeah. That's the problem with these smaller guys. Yeah. Like they're 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 great and their their skill set is awesome, but you got to kind of use them and then let them go. So really, I think letting Samuel go was wise because I think he's he's never going to be a guy that is going to be a guy you can again like McCaffrey where you can just let him touch the ball a, a huge number of times. He'll just break down. So they're great to have, but uh, they're not as sturdy, and they just they, they don't have long careers. So I think the you know, the bigger decision to be on McCaffrey is that, that, you know, let's get through the second contract and obviously learn our lesson. But uh, I didn't think it was a bad idea 
signing him at the time because he was such a different kind of running back because of what we talked about with the yep. receiving and also the, the willing blocker that he is. But you know, those kind of blocks on defensive linemen, those wear you down too, and, and those things all add up over the course of time on what your body takes on. I miss Mike Davis. Just throwing that out there. I miss Mike Davis. <laughs> Go ahead, Phil. So I want to speak of that blocks you just brought up, Jim. This is kind of backtracking what Ben said a couple of questions ago, saying that Chuba looked better at the beginning of the year. Yeah, Chuba ran the ball better at the beginning of the year, but the block punt against Miami, in my mind, was his fault. And that dude couldn't block worth junk. I mean, I think Chuba can't block at all. What are your thoughts on him? But you know why? Because there? they're not—they're never asked to do that in college. Yep. So it's a learned skill that happens here at the pro level that you see a lot of times. So I've seen a number of uh, you know star college players who cannot block and then get better. You know, Greg Olson is a tight end. Got—he always said, "I need to be a better blocker." He became a very good blocker at tight end, but it took time in the NFL because they're not asked to do it. You know, in college, you're asked to run the ball for eight yards a pop and, uh, you know, 25 touchdowns. So uh, it's not something they're asked to do in high school or college. So it's something they do have to learn. And I think it's something that can be learned. I love his attitude, too. He's got, you know, track speed, but uh, he's got a good mindset and attitude. He doesn't have a deep, my point is not a diva attitude. Yeah. I think he will be a willing participant as far as, you know, learning the other parts of the game. And he knows he's got to improve in those areas, but it's not all going to happen you know, as quickly as we'd like to have it happen sometimes. You have to invest that time. That's why you see a lot of rookies sit. And people say, why, why is this rookie running back? Why is he not out there? Because they don't know the full complement of the entire game of football at once. Well, that does make me feel a lot better that you believe that he can because I thought he was a complimentary runner. Just, yeah, that was kind of my big worry with him was, was the blocking and kind of his hands too. Oh, absolutely. Other times drop passes and things like that. But again, that that can come and happen. You know, DJ Moore, as good as he is, he, he dropped too many passes, I thought, this year. So, absolutely. you know, it's a team that's got issues. And, you know, we haven't talked about the fact that, you know, this will be another year where are they, they're going to use a tight end. You know, last year was supposed to be the tight end year. Defensively, I mean, they've got to get more stout on that defensive line to make the edge guys good, assuming Reddick returns to go with Brian Burns. I mean, so you've got to. You know, fix some things. You know, they've never really fixed middle linebackers since Luke Keekley. You know, they had sure. Perryman and let him go to the Raiders because they let him. You know, they didn't want to, you know, deal with him uh, in some of the things that happened in training camp last year. But they missed that player. Yeah. And, and so it just they need a middle linebacker. They, they need some ferocity and some bulk on defense. They have this light, quick, aerodynamic uh, defense. But you know, they need some big old mean guys that take up space Absolutely. and hit hard. And, and that's got to be addressed with this defense. Jim, kind of getting to more of the NFL headlines in general, just the league in general, a lot is happening. The big news, I don't think we've talked to you since this happened, but Tom Brady retired and Sean Payton retired. That's That means a lot when it comes to the implications moving forward for the NFC South. And uh, it just furthers to the point that Panthers have a lot of decisions to make. They can make a decision here where, yeah, they're not necessarily Super Bowl caliber, but they can easily find themselves depending on what other teams do. Sitting at first and maybe not – and not not a great division right now, or not a great division moving forward. They can find themselves getting maybe seven or eight wins and find themselves in a playoff spot. What do these retirements mean for the NFC South? And it begs the question, do you take the approach where you get a guy like Garoppolo or you get a guy like, find a way to get a guy like Russell Wilson and uh, take the tackle approach? Yeah, I think um... – you know, for the for the Panthers, I mean, it's uh, it's certainly big that Sean Payton and Tom Brady are leaving the division, but there's also opportunity that they they could be replaced with some other big names. That yeah. uh, you know, it's a possibility. We all know this that you know Aaron Rodgers could end up in Tampa Bay, and then all of a sudden they're just as good as as they were before. 
Um, you know, with Sean Payton, you know, leaving, it's like, you know, he got the most out of Jameis Winston. I, I'm not as optimistic for them that they can do that because I thought Sean I Payton agree. got the most out of this team this past year going 9-8. and eight, Absolutely. Uh, with what he had. I thought that was a remarkable coaching job. I don't know how many coaches could have got that much out of that. So I don't know that that future in New Orleans is bright with what they've got assembled there. And then the Alvin Kamara arrest, you know, was a, what does that mean moving yeah. forward? So we'll, we'll see with all that. Uh, you know, Michael Thomas, you know, is he going to come back with them this year? So I think it'll be interesting to see what those teams do. But for the Panthers, they just got to worry about themselves. and They got to build their team the right way. But, you know, Matt Ryan's obviously aging out in Atlanta. If this could be a young ascending team here in general, whatever that looks like, you know, the Panthers, you know, they have a chance to, yeah, close the gap and rise up because I think with Brady gone, I'd be shocked if Gronk comes back. I guess it's possible, but I feel like he only came back because he wanted to play with Brady. So I expect he'll leave Tampa Bay. So I, I think there will be a chance to kind of tighten things up in the, in the division overall. Absolutely. You started talking about Denzel Perryman earlier and you brought up Alvin Kamara and it got me thinking about the Pro Bowl. We all know the Pro Bowl sucks. If you watch it, I don't know why you're watching it. You must have just threw something on in the background. It's like, hey, this is football. But uh, we talked about it earlier in the show, and we kind of debated about it. What If you were if you were the commissioner of the league, Jim, if you had full reins here, how do you fix the Pro Bowl? I don't know you can. I think we've crossed this line. You see, first of all, to go back to college football, where, and I don't blame them. Kids don't want to play in a lot of these bowl games uh, because they want to you know, protect their draft status and not get an injury prior to the draft. And now the Pro Bowl has become, you know, another layer of that that's been going on and getting worse and worse every year. Now we don't tackle to the ground. There's no reason to play the game. So yeah. just name the team, have a fun weekend, have a skills competition, and just do that. You know, it's, it's an entertainment vehicle. And they, you know, it's kind of like, you know, to me, the Bush Clash was essentially an entertainment vehicle. It wasn't a race. They only went like 70 miles an hour. It was just, you know, turning and who could get lucky and not get crashed. So that was an entertainment event. The Pro Bowl yesterday was an entertainment event yep. with no tackling. So just do a fun skills competition. Do a punt pass and kick kind of thing. Yeah. You come up with different interesting ways like what the NBA does with their pre-All-Star thing. And just get the start. You, know, you might get more stars that way, too, because now they're going to come out in maybe shorts and a T-shirt. Go somewhere cool. Make it look good. Have a cool band playing whatever kind of music yeah and then um just make a fun just make a fun thing out of it and don't don't even play the game but you know make the selections these are your pro bowl guys they're, they're honored they they win money they win the award but there is absolutely no reason to put helmets on him again on the field and never do that again what we saw on sunday no i completely agree i i think we're on the same page here we talked about it just make it a celebration of the players do the skill challenges when you're drinking with your friends you already debate hey who's got the better arm, Mahomes or Allen, where you could put that to the test and it could be a fun little deal. And I think the players will enjoy a nice little getaway to Vegas if they're not in the Super Bowl. So I completely agree if you were on the exact same page. Anyways, thanks, Jim, for your time. Uh, Jim Zoki here, color commentator for the Panthers on the radio. You can hear him on 103.7 every game day on uh, 103.7 for the Carolina Panthers. Thanks a lot for your time, Jim. All right, guys. Thank you. All right. Major League Baseball just made a huge announcement. The first time this has been allowed in 20 years. What is that big announcement? And we debate whether this helps the game. And there's just more debates pile up now that this is implemented. Possibly some guys should deserve another look at the Hall of Fame. Despite them not being eligible anymore, maybe you open that back up. We'll tell you what was just announced by the MLB and we'll debate about it all that much more on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. 
miss a moment remember there will be a test you can log on to the brand new 94.3 thegame.com for the podcast of the pj show plus what's going on with sports in pitt county and around the globe and the latest on the ecu pirates log on today the brand new 94.3 thegame.com you are dismissed Hey, I'm Gray Fussell, proud four-generation winemaker at Dupin Winery and proud new graduate of East Carolina. So many great things are happening right now at the winery. We're celebrating our 45th anniversary this year, and I'm officially Duplin's newest full-time employee. For four years now, I've been asking you to buy our delicious wines from your favorite store, and I hope you'll continue to do so. I think this makes me the official voice of Dupin Winery, so if you see my boss, who is also my dad, tell him I deserve a raise. Thank you for your support and go Pirates. Need $1,000 to $10,000 immediately for a gift for someone special, car repairs, or unexpected expenses? Time Financing Service offers competitive loan rates. Apply online and get your answer in less than an hour in most cases. Then you can pick up the cash at any of our 24 convenient locations. Apply online 24-7 at timefinancing.com. That's timefinancing.com. Time Financing Service. All loans subject to current credit policy of Time Financing Service. One-hour loan approval and same-day cash in most circumstances. Exceptions may apply. Attention business owners and management, Roebuck Staffing of Greenville and Newburn is here for you. Will Roebuck and his staff are committed to fulfilling your staffing needs. Whether you're a contractor, a manufacturing company, or if you just need janitorial or clerical work for your business. Roebuck Staffing also does temporary to permanent and direct hiring. Roebuck Staffing is your trusted partner for all of your staffing needs and employment opportunities. Call Roebuck Staffing at 252-364-8700 or find them online at roebuckstaffing.com. Like us on Facebook for breaking sports stories and the latest from around the Pirate Nation. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's 94.3 The Game's Facebook page. Like us and follow us there today. In for the P Man as he gets ready for the first Cliff Godwin show of the season. People are obviously excited for that. You can listen to that coming up at six right here on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates 94 3 the game. Or stop by at Logan's Roadhouse and check him out in person. Speaking of baseball, big news just announced by uh, AP right now. So you know it's legit. AP's legit. Steroids have now become a legal substance in the MLB. It's being implemented after 20 years. We're going to debate whether this is good or not for the MLB and if this was long overdue. Uh, feel free to chime in 561 game, 561 4263, and keep it short because we're a little short on time. Be respectful to my man, Philip Pilkington, and he'll be respectful to you and do you, do you some favors. Wow, just throw me under the bus. No, we're being <laughs> respectful to Coach Godwin yeah. and Patrick, who are going to be on right after this at 6 o'clock. <laughs> Getting right into it, uh, I think this is good for the game. I think this is something the MLB desperately needs. They need some kind of excitement. They need the big home runs. They need the big plays. They need something similar to the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa summer of the 90s that really got the baseball going and kind of revived it back from the dead. Because, like, I talk to people my age. I'm 20 years old. The demographic you want to go after, the guy – Guys that could potentially be fans for the rest of their life, and people are just not talking about baseball. People do not care about it. People are not watching the game. Just in my demographic alone, I find it hard to find to talk to people my age that are into the game or are following the game or even have a favorite team. So here's the thing. You're thinking it's going to do good because they're going to hit a lot of dingers. Yeah. Well, there were too many dingers hit a couple of years ago, so they changed the ball, so we didn't yeah. have this whole 
home run, strikeout, walk, and that was the only results to an at-bat. Yeah. So the MLB is trying to get away from that Yeah. as it is because it already kind of is that way. It's like every player's like Bo Jackson, just not nearly as good, but, yeah. you know, same results. And uh, and people still, you know, like I said, with our generation, they're not really watching it. I think home runs aren't going to really help that. I No, I think that keep steroids out of the game – um, I mean, I know it's a legal drug, but it's still putting harmful stuff in your body. I mean, you're kind of encouraging guys now to ruin their bodies. This is stupid. Well, we don't know the specifics. This was just announced, like, during the show about whether or not how they're going to control it and make it where it's healthy. I'm sure they got a plan in place to do it in a healthy light, in a healthy way to kind of doctor that and uh, oversee that and make sure guys are not doing it too much or putting straight up, like, horse growth hormones in their body and just – blowing up like freaking Brock Lesnar or something here. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's good for the game, and you got to acknowledge the fact the pitching's going to be better. If the, It kind of equals and levels the playing field a little bit. Now that's a known thing, now that it's a accepted thing, and I think it, I, I think you're going to see higher-quality athletes and world-class athletes, and I think it brings some excitement back. Just on the thought alone that these guys that have not watched the sport in a while, well, hey, maybe the baseball will be better. Maybe the players will be better. Maybe we can see – some high-flying or exciting, fast-paced action here in baseball, something we haven't had, I don't want to say ever, but just not in a long time. So the exit velocity on these home runs are already well over 100 miles an hour. Yeah. If you hit that back at a pitcher and it hits them in the head, it's going to kill somebody as it is. Yeah. So now we're going to let them hit it harder? I, I'm not we're going to let the pitches far, be Phillip. faster? I think they'll be all right. I mean, no, no, look. I mean, this is just dumb. It's a safety thing. Look, there's already issues. We're having people get hit in the stands. This is just dumb. The reason why people aren't watching baseball now is because everyone has a shorter attention span because of social media and, and just technology in general. That's the reason all sports viewership's going down, NASCAR and baseball especially, because they're slower games. I, I think I hitting hitting two more home runs in a baseball game is not going to affect that much, but it could affect that somebody getting hurt. Um, no, this is this is dumb. If honestly, too, I don't want to see eighty five home runs hitting a game. I want to see some innings where they put some rallies together, play a little small ball, maybe not Cliff Godwin small ball where one guy gets on and you automatically bunt with your best hitter. But dang, I mean. Try and string some hits together. I mean, look, the home run derby is a blast to watch, but I'm good watching it once a year. I don't want to watch it 162 times. Well, I mean, we got to acknowledge the fact you've been a, a, a you're you're a good you're a big baseball fan. You're a guy that's closely followed the sport for the last couple of years now. There's not a lot of those people left. They got to find a way to generate some excitement, especially with all the stuff going on behind the scenes and. The numbers speak for themselves. The the, the numbers are down viewership wise, attendance wise. They have a huge issue in baseball right now, and you gotta you gotta throw something at the wall and see what sticks. I think it generates a little bit more excitement to the game. I, I personally think it's a good thing. And you go back to social media and uh, it, people having a shorter attention span will explain college football and NFL thriving right now, having great numbers, like dominating TV numbers right now, despite the fact that there's games that can go three four hours. I think when the games are actually on, though, there's more going on. People are still looking at their phones and stuff during yeah. commercial breaks. Well, the, and throughout the, the, the numbers game. are still up, but the numbers are still up because the and game people itself, are going the, to the, the games. Pl- yeah, yeah, but the plays themselves are more exciting than in baseball. Like I said, if you don't understand, I I have a friend back home, and he always said, you know, if you watch 
baseball for good hitting, you're going to be disappointing. You have to understand the pitching and watch it for good pitching to enjoy baseball. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing with NASCAR. You know, you kind of got to enjoy the storylines, and it's more so than just the individual race itself. It's almost kind of like the people that, obviously, it's a faster paced sport, but the people that watch wrestling know it's fixed, but they watch it more for the storylines and the marketing side. Yeah. So I think personally, if you. If you ruin baseball, you are going to lose more fans than you gain. I definitely think you gain some, but I think you lose a lot of your loyal fan base, and baseball definitely cannot afford to do that right now. Well, I'll put it this way. A young Ben Byram at 12 years old went to a Cardinals-Pirates game that sucked. No home runs. It was kind of a slow-paced baseball game, and it ruined baseball for me. I I don't want to say I was against baseball, but growing up, a kid who I played Little League baseball every year, I was all about the game. I would watch the games. Having that experience and just seeing the game declining, it really took me out of the game, just having that live experience, and it ruined baseball for me for a little bit. Thank God for ECU baseball being so excited and a lot of fun and winning because that kept me somewhat following the sport in the baseball. But, I mean, I mean, we got to acknowledge the fact that the game has not been very excited, and we have a lot of those games during the season where it's like there's no reason to watch. The season's too long, and we, we, you want to see home runs. You want to see home get people want to see home runs, especially the casuals, and you got to get the casual fans into it, to where it's 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 the it's the country's game again. It's the old it's the old school USA, the epitome of the U.S. It's a household name again. It hasn't been that in a long time. Like chances are, I know Shohei Itani's kind of the biggest name in sports right now, but people my age, if I go up and ask them who there is, there chances chances are they're not going to know who he is. I would we if we surveyed ten people. I guarantee at least five people wouldn't know who Shohei Otani is. Okay, so here's my thing. When they hit a bunch of home runs, when the final score is 10-9, to nine, the game takes like four, four and a half hours. Yeah. That's horrible. I For me people, as a baseball fan, I want to watch that. Yeah. But when you have a great pitching matchup, two side young winners, wheeling and dealing, striking out 15 apiece, the game lasts two and a half hours. And when a guy finally does hit a home run, it means yeah. that much more. I mean, I hate those games where it's like, Man, the Sox were just up seven to five. Now well, they're down nine to seven. Well, I know we'll score some runs this inning, but who knows? I would rather be like struggling to get hits, watching a pitcher deal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like my dad always talks about his favorite game he ever went to, first time he ever saw Fenway Park, Sox Yankees, Pedro Martinez, Roger Clemens, two to one. Yeah. And he said it was just an amazing night to watch those guys work their magic. It made all the hitters look silly. Well, let's put it this way. These casual fans that have been out of sport for a while, you got to weave them into a point where they appreciate a pitching pitching duel. These younger fans are these fans that didn't grow up on baseball. You got to get them in. You got to you got to. It's like when you take English class in high school. It says you have to have a good hook at the beginning to capture the reader's attention. You got to capture these young fans and viewers' attention with the flashy home runs to the point where they appreciate the game, and then later on maybe they can appreciate a pitcher's duel and appreciate the game a little bit more for what it is. I think right now it's a good stepping stone to get a lot of people into it, thinking they're going to see a lot of home runs and fast-paced action, and then slowly over time they might start appreciating pitcher duels a little bit more. Yeah, you're definitely right. You're right. The pitcher's duels keep fans, and runs probably get fans. So I get that, but... If you're going to do that, I say change the ball back to the way it was two years ago. What Don't it, have guys doing steroids. It brings on another big debate. These guys that have been left out of the Hall of Fame ballot are no longer eligible in Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, who got outed for taking steroids and were not allowed in the Hall of Fame despite being a Hall of Famers and having Hall of Fame numbers. Because of steroid controversy, 
I think they deserve a second look. I think you open up the ballots again because this is complete hypocrisy. Complete hypocrisy. This is a whole other debate in itself. Um, I thought they were Hall of Famers regardless of whether they took steroids or not. You split their careers down the middle. They're both Hall of Famers. So here's the thing. It was illegal when they played. That's like saying after prohibition was yeah. lifted, yeah. we're going to drop all the criminal charges of everybody who ran moonshine from I, the cops. I think you do, though. I think you do, though. It's, it's, it's like the whole pot situation. Or if we made meth legal tomorrow, everybody who's ever got arrested with felony charges of meth are just like, Free to go. I think they do, Philip. We're okay. having a political discussion here. Obviously, if they have any other charges, yeah, they deserve to be in. But for that alone, I don't know. I mean, hypothetically, I think you got to look at it and be like, hey, something needs to happen here. Anyways, getting away from that, chime in on Twitter at 943thegame. 943thegame. How do you feel about baseball now implementing steroids back in the sport? All that and much more. Stay tuned. 6 o'clock. Patrick Johnson, Cliff Godwin, the first Cliff Godwin show of the season live from Logan's Roadhouse. Stay tuned right here on 94 through the game. That's going to do it for the Patrick Johnson Show.